0: Well, it's a little bit different this week, Uh, we are utilizing Zoom. So shout out to the makers of Zoom. I think they're in Canada or Japan or maybe Ukraine. I'm not totally sure. Wherever the hell they are, thank you so much. Um, we do love your e-stream, but we didn't get there. My name is Joey B. I am the host uh, that I, well, yeah, I'm basically the host. I do the Blind Knowledge podcast. I've been around for a minute. I do Blind Knowledge. Check us out. We got 26 podcasts. We got live streams. We got digital content. We can show you how to do it, too. We can show you our studio in a box. We got that for you. BlindKnowledge.com. But more importantly, enough from my show, we have a very special guest on. She's an author. She seems like a free thinker. We're going to get to know this woman a little more. She's got some things to, to teach us, I think. Phyllis, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here.
0: And I'm glad you're here, too. So let's get right to it. You got a brand new book out, right? Right. All right. America in Therapy. What's the book about and, and where'd the inspiration come from?
1: Yeah. And let me just say it isn't in print yet. Um, I have a publisher and I'm hoping that it will be out um, by next spring.
0: Okay. We got the inside scoop on this. We got the inside scoop. That's pretty cool. So so what's going on with this book?
1: Okay. So I have been a, a psychotherapist for way over 30 years and I have so much experience working with what drives people, what hurts people, what helps people, um, what helps us thrive. And one of the big contributions of psychotherapy over the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years perhaps, and maybe it's a little longer, is the introduction of the whole idea of family systems and family therapy and that was a big move in the world of psychotherapy and psychology from an, from a looking looking at an individual as sort of like what's wrong with them what are their complexes what are their neuroses you know what's wrong with them as an individual and the whole idea of family systems theory and family therapy blew that out of the water and we've come to understand that we are so much a product of the family systems that we're a part of that condition us that teach us what to believe how to behave, what the role models are for men and women, how you deal with conflict, the list goes on and on.
0: Well, I mean, that's where we learn, right? That's where we grow, grow, grow. literally, yeah.
1: Literally, and so our family conditioning has a lot to do with who we become in the world and how we cope and how we see the world and what we expect from ourselves and others. Um, And we also have realized that, there's, the family system is actually bigger than the family that you're born into. A workplace is a family system. A place of worship is a family system. A business, a government agency. Because we play out the roles that we kind of learned in our family. You know, one person learns kind of to be the good girl or the rebel, um, or the one who disappears and nobody sees them.
0: Yeah, people kind of slide into roles. Do Do you find that happens in all, really, family dynamics? Yes. Wow. Yes.
1: And part of it's nature and part of it's nurture. And, you know, because I think people do come in with an individual nature. We're not just a product of our conditioning. You know, you can have two people in the same family who end up playing very different roles in that family. And part of that is because of the conditioning in the family. But I think part of that is in our individual nature. But what we can do something about is nurture. I may be born, you know, a quieter person or a more outspoken, gregarious person by nature. But I can learn to be respectful of others. I can learn to have good boundaries. That's
0: psychology. Right? right. That's that's right. your inner that's your inner, it's your inner spirit, your inner self learning and, and teaching right. and adapting itself how to right. be better.
1: Totally. And how to be wow. functional in a world where we have to get along with other people in order to survive um in some way.
0: Yeah, yeah. It comes in handy. That's for sure. You know, and there's so many of us. Yeah, we're we're bound to intertwine and interlink, especially depending on the industry we're in, for sure. Right, right.
1: And so, you know, where the book kind of got born was was in a couple of, sort of from a, a couple of impulses. One was, you know, I had so much training in working with children and seeing the effects on them from their family dynamics. And... In, in my early years of being a psychotherapist, I worked quite a lot with children and the vast majority of children that I saw were coming to therapy because they were having symptoms that were a result of conflictual um, divorce situations among their parents. Oh,
0: this is interesting because I started therapy as a small child, about four, five years old when my parents okay. divorced. That's when I started this this whole ordeal, I guess it's a, dis- it's not an ordeal. That's negative. It's like a journey or just a, it's a discovery yeah. and I'm still in it. I. My mom keeps asking me if, I, if I've gotten a therapist yet lately and it's, <laughs> I, I know I should because I know how healthy that is for me. Mm-hmm. Just to have a third, third party to speak to on things and be out of that family dynamic and be out of what my comfort zone is. Totally. Do you see does that happen a lot for other people like do they come just to you know let me ask you just that off the cuff like why do people do they ever tell you why they go to therapy like why oh, do they, they go? always do and you do know they? that's one
1: of the first questions you ask of course and sometimes there's layers underneath what a person might present
0: mm-hmm.
1: as the as the uh, you know originating symptomology or like
0: traumatic treatment. like traumatic events or
1: yeah
0: um maybe not being I don't know I don't know. I'm not a psychotherapist. So I have well, no idea. I, I can
1: share with you, such, <laughs> there's such a wide variety. People generally come because they're in pain. That's the number one motivator for people to find help. Just like if your body's in pain, you look for a doctor. Yeah. Um, and when your yeah. heart and your mind are in pain, you look for, hopefully you look for someone who is knowledgeable and how to help you
0: deal with that. For me, like I said, I've been in this since I was five. Like I, that's that's what I know. Is a way. It's a healthy way of dealing with certain things, so that other consequential things don't occur. Right. Exactly.
1: That's exactly it. And and that's you you pointed out to what what part of that whole dynamic is that brings a person to therapy. They're in pain, and you know, relationship isn't working. They're not getting along with their spouse or their children, or they're having a hard time with their boss or their employees, or Mm. they are not happy with their place in their community, or they've, you know, they've failed at a business or, you know, something has motivated them.
0: But it's pain. That's the word. That's the key word here. Capital word. P is pain. And you don't joke. You don't really, you don't joke about it. I and mean, pain is a serious word when you break it down. No yeah. one likes to be in pain. You yeah. know, painful is just, just a terrible way to be. Do you, you know, as a professional, um, would you say you're a therapist as well, not just a psychotherapist, or or do people call you a therapist? Like, what's the correct window? The
1: same thing in my mind. Is it okay? Yeah, Is I just want to
0: be. Yeah. I want to make yeah. sure I'm on point. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's a lot of schooling too. Yeah. Do you mostly see progression, um, in your field?
1: Oh yeah, if people stick with it and they really want to do the work and they're willing to be to have some discomfort, um, not always, but but <laughs> often there's like because here's what I wanted to say like we have this conditioning and something about it didn't work it gave us a message that we weren't good enough or we weren't lovable or we weren't smart enough or um, we weren't worthy of better treatment or some some negative belief about ourselves got implanted and that negative belief generated coping mechanisms. And some of our coping mechanisms are functional, you know, we work hard or we try to be nice to other people. But sometimes there's a downside to the coping mechanisms, especially if the coping mechanism is to be aggressive and You know, overpower other people or to never listen to what anybody else says or to withdraw to a place where you can't take in the love and care of other people or you can't give it. Um, So what brings people to therapy is a combination of pain and coping mechanisms that aren't working in their adult life. So they're stuck in this rut like I'm in a bad relationship and the way I cope is to yell at my partner. I'm, I'm just making this up, you know, as Sure, yeah, sure, sure. And that's not working because I'm not getting the love that I want from my partner. I'm not getting a happy relationship, but I I don't have any other mechanism because I feel like I'm right and I feel like I have to convince you that you're wrong. And this is a this is one example of what happens in families that role model for children that we're supposed to fight it out until somebody wins. And what I But that's what
0: they were used to. That's what they know.
1: Right. And so then they take that out into their adult relationships, right?
0: So that's why those kinds of things happen. Yeah. Wow.
1: And there's many, many varieties of those dynamics that we model. And the reason why I wrote my book, America and Therapy, is because I see those same dysfunctional dynamics happening in the family of America, where there's you know, we, it's not two spouses fighting, it's two parties fighting with great hostility and great.
0: A lot know. of hostility right now, a lot of like left, right, blue, uh, right. red, like I'm right, you're wrong. I want to hurt you because you don't believe in me, you know, That's or right. believe what I believe I should say, right. or cause I'm a very stubbornness, a lot of hate, a lot of rage, a lot of, well, scary shit in, in society, if you don't mind my, right. my saying. And these are what
1: we call dysfunctional family dynamics. And yet we accept them because somehow we've been taught, we've been conditioned to accept that this is just the way it is or somebody's going to win in the end and hopefully it's my side is going to win. When we know from family systems that that hurts children, it hurts spouses to be in that kind of dynamic. They don't come out of it happy, functional, um, people who are... So is this
0: does this go even deeper is this where they go where kids can go total inner and like I hate to even go in this direction but you have violence you have school shootings you have just uh bullying to max like is that where all that stuff comes from or am I just oh, a little off oh, there I,
1: No I think you're I think you're totally onto what I'm talking about mm. and what what I'm saying is it's happening that's, that's a in the huge individual issue. It's happening on the individual family level and it's happening on the national level. It's happening in large institutions. And so that's the role model that's out there for so many children um, that there's no that there's no role model that I see proliferated, let's say across the media of how are we going to work this out? Let's bring the two parties together. Who's going to mediate the conversation so that we can actually come to some yeah, agreement that's, that's healthy the
0: good. That's healthy and normal. That's that's like an intellectual and logical way of handling the situation, I would think. Right. right.
1: So I call wow. the, the tools of psychotherapy and the principles of good psychology the answer lying hidden in plain sight. Because we actually do know what works. And there's also psychological reasons why on the largest levels of society, we're not using those principles. We're not committed to repair. We're not committed to the yeah. welfare of the entire family of America, which which means everyone.
0: Why aren't we, in your opinion? why Why mm-hmm. don't we focus on these in-depth but very important details? Why are we okay with just dumbing down?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's many answers to that question, so I'm not going to pretend that I have them all or that I could even say all the things that I say. It's a
0: wicked question.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But there's a big, there's some big ones. And one of them is that and and so I look through the lens of a dysfunctional, abusive family when I'm talking about the family of America, because the dynamics are exactly the same. And if we can understand them on the individual level, then we have a better hope of understanding them on the level of large institutions with great power and government institutions, which have enormous power over the entire population. Wow. And so one of the things that you see in an abusive family is that the abuser has all the power, mm-hmm. and they don't want to give it up. There's some gratification for them from having control over everyone, uh, whether it's you know they want to sexually abuse someone, or they want to take out their rage and beat someone, or they want to control all the finances, or they just want to have all the say. So,
0: and and is that their- a is that a dominant personality or is that a psychopath? <laughs>
1: Well, I think one of the points that I try to make in my book is that this is a cycle that needs to be interrupted. So, what Yeah, I there's got to be
0: the, some rejuvenation, some education, yeah. for sure. It's some love and just some like empathy well, and love.
1: Love is the answer. Love it, is right on. the answer. One of the things that I say a lot in my book is that, and this comes straight out of my experience of over 30 years as a psychotherapist. All of the injuries that people bring to therapy that cause the greatest pain are injuries to love and belonging. There, it's It's the ways that we weren't loved, that we didn't feel like we belonged, that we didn't feel valued for who we are, that we didn't feel accepted, and we didn't learn peaceful conflict resolution skills that caused the greatest pain in people. Love is the answer. And love is not part of political discourse today. And that is the big missing. Love and all of its you know, nuances and all of the dynamics that, that create a loving family environment are not part of political discourse. And that's why one of the big reasons why we are in so much trouble.
0: Hate, it's easy to weaponize. Yes. You know, hate speech is very easy to weaponize, which has been happening forever. You're
1: absolutely right. And that's what's happening.
0: But let's talk about some other cool stuff that you got. You got two other books, so we got to let people know. And I especially want to know what is up with this one, A Light in the Darkness. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I wrote that book first. And and actually, I wrote that book before I thought I was going to write America in Therapy. Um, so... That book is really autobiographical and that is my own journey from having been abused in my own childhood and the after effects of that that really pervaded my life in a very uh very very difficult way for many years I I was one one person who um who didn't remember what happened Me. I I think some of what happened to me happened so early on in life that it was sort of pre-verbal and pre-memory. And but it definitely colored my life. And I think I think many people don't know that that what happens early in life has a huge conditioning effect. We are wired for love and connection. And when that connection is broken and our bodies are hurt or our hearts are hurt, we suffer. And we become symptomatic. So
0: it doesn't go away, you're saying. It doesn't doesn't just roll off. Damn.
1: And, And actually, that was one of the other big motivators for writing this book is that I think a lot of people don't know that it doesn't go away and that they're suffering from things that are not their fault. They're suffering from things that happen to them that they have a right and we hope can find some healing for rather than what we do as a society is we blame people for their symptoms. When people become aggressive as a result of being hurt, we blame them. When they become passive and helpless, we blame them for not standing up. And when they stand up too strong, we blame them for that. And when when they tell the truth of what really happened in a society that doesn't want to hear it, just like some families don't want to hear what really happened, um, we hurt them and we silence them. Sometimes nothing's
0: ever right for some people, Phyllis. Some people that are just, that's just how they function. Like, which is a really sad way to be. And like, they should yeah. be outliers in society in my, my humble opinion. Um, we're not what, getting which people are you that.
1: talking about right now?
0: You know, just like folks that don't want to get better, that don't want to like progress mm-hmm. and evolve, um, that are, that are doing anything terrible that like you brought up and, um, yeah, just kind of like I, I don't have a lot of respect for them. It's hard to have respect for them. Um, do you think I should be more empathetic? Like,
1: well, I think do, do this people, is the, one of the change? big challenges that we face today, and it's a big challenge. Because, like, and I'm it's feeling, fun.
0: you know, if you feel what I'm saying, and as an example, like, I'm feeling a little bit of like negativity towards like someone like that, and I, I don't even know if I should at this point. <laughs> Well,
1: I think I don't think it's a matter of should. I think it's a, I think it may be a matter of us expanding our understanding. If someone murders another person, you know, they drive into a crowd and they randomly shoot people and they don't even know them, of course we're going to have feelings. Oh my about
0: God. That. Yeah. Just confusion have, for sure.
1: Yeah. Deep yeah. feelings. Deep. But I think as a society, just like as a family, if you have a kid that sets fire to the house, Right. It's terrible. The house burned is, down, right? Yeah. But yeah. you also want to say what happened to that child? What happened See, that made a, them want to do that? Yeah. What happened in our families and in our social structure as a whole that made someone want to randomly kill other people? And why is that accelerating?
0: That and why is that accelerating? And like, why is that like a becoming a like a like an award? It's right. like you're a you're you're a famed Right. Like what is like there's something off there. That's not like a regular thing. There's there's mm-hmm. something that's gotta be added to the DSM, I think, because it's crazy. Yeah. And also, Phyllis, you have one other book. Um, this one I don't have the link to called Into the Fire. Yeah, what's up with this? What are and that we was a
1: continuation of of uh, a light in the darkness. Those are those two books are, are very autobiographical, and they are really um, about the spiritual journey that I made in in as part of my recovery from from you know what happened to me in my childhood that was such a mystery to me and that had caused me so much pain and so much distress until I began to really uncover what had happened. And then I had like a hope of healing and, and I really was on a path of healing. And part of that was a a reclamation of, I, I call it a spiritual journey. I think another way of saying it, because we all have such different ideas of what, of what, what spiritual is, you know, reconnecting to your essential self, And I would, I would say that, and I think the best therapy does that too. I've, I've, I've worked with some people
0: who have, I hate therapy. But I know hate I therapy? need it. I hate it. I hate Tell having to go. I don't know why. I never look forward to it. I know it helps. I know it's cool afterwards. I hate going. I hate but having you would to go.
1: But say more about that because I think that's such a valuable thing to share with people.
0: Because yeah, I, I would rather talk to a random screen on YouTube and just random people that I don't know than, than have to... Think about what I'm going to say to a therapist in that in that 40 to 50 minutes of time and how that's going to go. That's my anxiety, just rolling right there. And do you
1: do you fear being judged? Or do you fear being vulnerable? Are you afraid you're going to uncover something that's going to be uncomfortable? What yeah, would you that
0: yeah, that I wouldn't, one. Yeah, I would. We think things will become unco- uh, uncovered. They can be, become uncomfortable. It can be vulnerable. It can be a very vulnerable moment and to be out of control, um, you know, in a, in a conversation like that, where emotions kick in because old, old events kick in. It's, it's, it's like a spiritual experience. Sometimes, sometimes it's like fucking hell, excuse my language, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just a regular Thursday. It's, it's hard to explain, um, but um, I honestly think everyone should go to therapy mm. because if I got to do it, everyone else should. No, I'm just kidding. But it's it's crazy. It's always helped. we will say that. Just to talk to somebody different. Sometimes yeah. it's even just cool, yeah. you know?
1: I think I think vulnerability is a very big issue, especially in our society, because we we generally sort of like the the image of someone who's invulnerable, somebody who's got it all together, and they look fine and they're successful and they know yeah. what to do, and you know, and and the truth is most of us aren't really like that. And- so
0: true, so right. true. I try to right. carry myself like that on a live stream for sure, right. and I'm dude, I'm, I just put this shirt on, you know, like I. <laughs> or 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 maybe my head's totally not in the game but I still have to be in the game like we're all just we're all just uh wounded birds it feels like
1: yeah yeah and so one of the beauties of good therapy when it's good um is that you can go into those scary places with someone who's not judging you with someone who has some idea of how to guide you through those places to you know, when I said the, the title of my first book was A Light in the Darkness, I really felt like I lived in a lot of darkness. And, And my inner work and my journey and the people that I worked with helped me find, you know, a crack in that darkness and to let some light in. And the pain that I went through, and sometimes therapy was not fun for me as well, was so worth it. It was so worth it. It's sort of like when you have a splinter, you know, and you don't want to pull it out because you know it's going to hurt. That's, but when you get it out, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing. It's right? amazing. But you got to dig and get
0: that thing out. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I feel that for, for our country.
0: Yeah. And it's like people, some some people say it's not masculine to do that. Like, or right. whatever, like I could care less. Like, I think that's it's as alpha as it gets to speak, speak your piece on something, you know, and to yeah. get that to get that negative or negative or even maybe positive energy out. It's mm-hmm. just like, like, so, like you got to work out because it gets that sweat out. You know, you gotta have love and affection. Cause that, that works that kind of part of your life and, and your chemicals right. and, you know, just like heart to heart conversation, I think is another like neuropath. I, I really do.
1: Yeah. And, but you bring up a good point because I think, I think men more than women are taught in our culture not to be vulnerable, that it's a sign of, you know, being effeminate or weak or whatever, when in fact, and I can say this unequivocally, it takes tremendous courage and tremendous strength to be vulnerable to be to to really let yourself be intimate about the not so beautiful parts of yourself or the places where you have pain or the places where you've not been so kind to other people we all have that You know, it's part of our conditioning. And one of the things that I talk about in my book, because I think it's so important that vulnerability isn't just about the pain that I have suffered because someone didn't love me or they didn't treat me well. It's also the pain that I suffer at some of the mistakes I made, you know, some of the things I wish I could go back and do differently. And if as a country we could actually embrace that kind of vulnerability and that kind of honesty and say, we enslaved Black people. And now yeah. we're blaming them. Yeah. You know, we d- tried to destroy the Native Americans. What effect did we, we have did. on generation after generation? We still haven't passed the Equal Rights Amendment. So women are still not entitled to the same salary as men in an equal job. That still, is just outrageous.
0: That's and crazy. Yet,
1: and yet we can't just say, what are we doing? This is something we're responsible for. We're it's almost like it takes for.
0: someone to bring that up. That it's a, it's almost like there has to be someone to actually make that move and 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 jump out of <laughs> the the regular old trough and just make moves and say, hey, what we're doing maybe exactly. isn't right. But you know, sometimes being that person is the hardest person to be. Even if it's, there's
1: no question about even it, even
0: if it's the right thing to do.
1: Well, these are our many martyrs. Look at the people who've been martyred. They were standing for
0: love. They were standing for humanity. Yeah, John Lennon uh, is the first one I can think of. <laughs> yeah, but it goes way deeper than that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you think, think so. that, like American culture, do you think that there is a um, what you call a, a crisis right now in mental health? I do. I how think, do we How do we fix that?
1: Well, I think we have to understand mental health through a new perspective, and that's again one of the things I try to talk about in my book. I think we tend to think of mental health as there's that crazy person over there that shot five people, or there's that crazy person over there who robbed a bank or the life savings of an elderly person, or they, you know, they sold poison to people in their food. Um, And I think, you know, or they're roaming the streets and they're talking to voices of people that aren't there. And I think we tend to think of mental health as a very extreme end of our psychological functioning, when in fact, we all have to understand our own mental health. And one of the reasons why I say this, so I think it's a collective issue. It's not those people over there are mentally ill. And the Certainly there are people that are farther along on the spectrum of being out of touch with reality or being severely violent, but we have to look at our own disconnects. And one of the ways that I point this out that I think really has meaning for people is that what we vote for and what we allow large institutions like our government to perpetrate like wars on innocent people or, you know, There's so many things Putting children in cages at the border Yeah, yeah Yep, we that's, would never that's crazy. allow in our own lives. We would never want this in our own lives. And the disconnect between what we allow as a nation and what we all want and believe is right for ourselves is a sign of a disconnect in our I mind. don't,
0: You know, fellas, I think some people just don't give a shit. They just want to live their life. They just want to be safe and sound and in their bubble. And And it's kind of hard to hate them for that you know, or yeah, dislike them for, them for not, that. Not hate, hates, he... hate's the wrong word, but yeah. um, dislike that. You know, not everyone is going to be the mayor mm. or the community. I mean, I always have been. Like, I'm a very volunteer-esque, like,
1: right. person.
0: I've, I was a baseball coach for years. Mm. Um, I'm very, like, into giving back. It's like a Jesuit thing. You give back to the society. Oh, yeah. yeah, And, like, you know, some people just aren't like that. And that's cool they're just assholes. And, and that's, and I think that's okay. You know?
1: Well, I think what we have to, I think the bigger picture around that, if I can say this is yeah. that I think that that passivity comes from a lot of different directions. Some people, and I, cause I hear people say this sometimes, they've just given up. They just don't think there's anything that they can do except take care of their own. So that's interesting.
0: So they feel they can't do anything to actually make Better, make good or make things happen. They they feel right. hopeless.
1: They feel hopeless.
0: I didn't think of that uh, that perspective.
1: And I also think that there's so that's one perspective, and I think that's a big. That's a
0: shitty place to be, fellas. Yeah. It's a place and I be. think
1: our society, the way it's going is breeding that because the more people feel overpowered, the more they feel like there's no justice for, you know, the person at the bottom of the totem pole. The more they feel that le- the legal system is unfair to masses of people, for instance, or that opportunity is withheld from masses of people or that the the, the income differential is beyond, you know, repair. People start oh, to feel like there's nothing they can do.
0: What happened to the middle class? Like, what happened to my money? Like, everyone's yeah. money. No one has any money. Like, no one has any money. The only yeah. people that do are wicked rich are the, the influencers um, doing content stuff. So, so
1: these are these all are <laughs> basically of, of poor mental health in a country. When when some people have all the power and all the resources and many, many, many. Well, they
0: call it inflation and this is a little off topic, but they call it inflation. I I think they're screwing with the percentage points and they're they're cutting everyone's credit and they're making the dollar worthless um, towards crypto, which is a wild thing to think about um but that's way down the line fellas we only have 3 minutes and 15 seconds left so i just want to get to sure. uh what we got to get to did you ever go to like woodstock i got to ask
1: i did not go to woodstock you did not I go to
0: woodstock part right. of that
1: generation but i wasn't out there
0: let me get a couple favorite bands from you what what are some favorite bands of yours
1: Oh gosh, you're asking the wrong person. I, you know, I'm from the from the older generation, I loved the Beatles. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. That's uh, that's the big boy right there. It's the that's right. the Beatles. They're awesome. All right, Phyllis. If, um, and it's weird that we have a countdown here. So I'm gonna be just uh, give you as much time as possible. Sure. What's what's some info you could drop on some people in in the audience right now about you, um, and what people should know about you.
1: Yeah. Well, I would just love people to go to my website, phyllislevitt.com, and sign in for my newsletter so that I can keep you informed about exactly when my book is going to be released. It should be next spring. Very um, cool. I would love to be able to tell people when the book is available. And I'm on YouTube and LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all those things.
0: All right. Your handle is basically your name, right?
1: Right, Phyllis Levitt, P-H-Y-L-L-I-S.
0: All right. All right. Well, uh, we did it, Phyllis. We okay. did it. We you. did the interview. Look, we look did it. it. It's, it's <laughs> a big you. round of applause for everyone in the Zoom here. All right. Thank you for joining me so much. And thank y'all for watching. Definitely stick around for the next one. And definitely go check out that book, y'all. And go sign up. Make sure you get those alerts at PhyllisLevitt.com. I'm Joey B. This is the Blind Knowledge Podcast. We love y'all. Peace. movies that don't suck. I would tell anybody outside the family what you're thinking again. I was not expecting that.
1: After you've scrubbed all the floors in Hyrule, then we can talk about mercy. Take him away. No! We are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ship sails in the
0: morning. I wonder what's for dinner. It's a gentle!
1: Your host, Cam Sully, each week as he chats with special guests to discuss many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons.
0: Hey guys, have you checked out the? No, no, (laughs) no. Look, if you want to hear something about, damn, that that could have been. You like beats, you like bud, you like booze,
1: you like body slam. Well, this is your place, brother, because we're gonna get the beats, bud, booze, body slam right out of your ass.
0: We got all that shit. Good one. That was Stacy. Was that a (laughs) one? PNMPodcast.com. Cool thing about blind knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation.